All right, so welcome back to the podcast. This is not just me. I'm here with a friend. Hello. Uh, that's Sarah, the podcast producer, and this is our annual check-in to see how things are going, seeing how we're feeling about stuff, and to just kind of talk about things. So we created a series of questions that we're going to talk about and answer, and so we'll be walking through some of that stuff, and then we'll end with our regular old same thing where we talk about self-care, activism, and also talk about uh, a recommendation of the podcast, like what do you want they should they should do or look into so they can All get right. back. So, Sarah, you start out first. What are some concrete things that came or happened as a result of you being connected or related with the podcast? So being with this podcast actually did have some like awesome concrete results. I was able to start as a student worker for uh, the program that I belong to, Next Generation Service Corps. So I'm their communications coordinator. And this came as a direct result because they saw my my potential and uh, the skills that I that I had. So that was really cool. To the point where now we they want to start a podcast series of their own to connect better with the students that are part of the program. And I pretty much was in charge of writing the script and produce it, cut it, and put it, everything together. And so that was really, really cool. What's that podcast called? Uh, right now, the Pulse uh, podcast. It's not out uh, yet. We are still in the phase of seeing if it's something that is sustainable because I'm leaving in May. And if I leave, somebody has to take Do over it. that. Yeah. Yes. Another uh, concrete result from that was... I was able to get an internship due to this, to the, to the, due to my work with this podcast. So when I went to an interview, they asked me where what I was involved with, and I mentioned the Inclusive Activism Podcast, among other things. Mm -hmm. That, in conjunction with working with Next Generation Service Corps, they they were very impressed, and so I was given. The internship. <laughs> yeah, I find it so funny because when you tell people like you do a podcast, like some people are like, oh, I know what that means. That's not that big of a deal. And some people are like, wow. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and I'm like, eh, it's just me talking to myself in a room. It's really not all that impressive. <laughs> well, the, the follow through, yes. I think, is the impressive part. Yes. Uh, the doing it and making sure that it's done and keeping it regular. That's not easy. No. For me, uh, I think the whole generation series resulted in a great talk. You got to be there, and that was yes. cool. So, for those of you that weren't there, or were like, "Why the hell did you talk about generations for a quarter of a year?" Uh, one, because there's a lot to know, obviously, and two, because it's a socially acceptable way of doing ism, where there's no really repercussions to it. I mean, the repercussions are people leaving and not connecting, but it's not like people are getting sued or being yeah. called racist. Um, and I felt like that talk went really well. And then the other thing is the um, the fact that like I have a podcast and people think that that's a big deal uh, means Friday I get to take my first trip to talk. And so I'll be going to Sacramento to Los Rios Community College and I'm gonna be talking about the opportunity of we is greater than me because they thought that idea was really cool. And so the fact that I'll get to fly out somewhere 
meet some random people and then fly out the same day. Like, I mean, I know it seems like it would be cooler to get to stay, but actually to me, like the idea of like, come arrive somewhere, wreck shit, change everybody's <laughs> minds and then fly home the same day. Like, it's I don't exhausting. know. <laughs> well, it seems fun, right? Like come home, fuck shit up, go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that was a really good, uh, concrete result, concrete results, sure. concrete connection. Yeah. Um, what Sarah was your podcast of the year? This is going to be extremely biased because, uh, when at ASU I took a, a class and I learned about the works of uh, Paul Gorski and I just absolutely wanted to, to have him part of the podcast and so that to me was the podcast of the year mostly because I got to hear firsthand like him talk so it's it's biased but that was my podcast of the year <laughs> Like, kind of on that note, I had a friend reach out to Robin D'Angelo, mm -hmm. White Fragility. Yes. Lady, and she even emailed back. So maybe we should email her. Yes. Because who knows? Yes, I would love that. Because <clears throat> you know why people don't, like, ever get people on? Is because they, they never don't try. Reach out. Yes. Exactly. So we'll yes. see how that goes. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, the podcast that was most fun was telling the story about the sweat launch. I think that was. Probably really entertaining like unless you know me that might not have been the most interesting thing But I had the most fun telling that story because like when the water like just smacks you in the <laughs> face and you're like, oh Wow, it's it's very much an experience. Yes, and I think my <clears throat> Underrated favorite one. I mean, I don't know how well it got followed or anything but the idea and the notion of greater than less than relationships I thought was interesting it was very because I think it's one of those things that happens a lot but it goes unanalyzed and undiscussed and because it goes unanalyzed and because it goes undiscussed all those problems stay I think it's uh, the, the one thing that I really liked about that podcast is that we we realized that we reproduce the inequalities that exist already in society because it's it's almost subconscious it goes back to like the the idea of gender roles but combine with with your personality because this can happen whether you're a woman or a man in a relationship if you feel like you have more uh say in a relationship it's just it's really hard to have like a natural team yeah and that whole child adult yes uh, parent paradigm my cult my counselor friends told me about i thought was really interesting because i yes. see where i can fall into any of those roles at any different time me too i'm excited because uh, if I get to keep my job at Phoenix College, I am going to be having to focus on COM 110, interpersonal communication. Uh, and yes. I'm kind of scared because it's not my, my, my... I'm not good at that. I'm a, good at 263. Yeah. I'm that's intercultural <laughs> communication, rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm teaching intercultural communication and they're like... <laughs> right? Like their minds are exploding. They think that's amazing. And they're having a blast. Uh, and I'm teaching COM 110 and it's, I'm not having the same... I mean, they're enjoying stuff, but I'm not as dynamic in that. It's much more storytelling. It takes a long time, longer time to think about the how to communicate stuff. So it's also more uncomfortable because you, you know, it's it's you. It's like you're yeah. directed, and you like when you when you go to cultural, it's always easier to uh, generalize, right? It's one culture versus. Well, what's another. been nice is like my method of teaching that stuff is coming back around to the self again, right? Yes. So the fact that this podcast exists and talks about how all this stuff helps the, the self makes a difference, and I think that's interesting too because I'm gonna have to learn how to speak interpersonal, intrapersonal, and interpersonal yeah. healing, and 
if I can figure that out and know what I know with intercultural stuff, well, it might be pretty interesting stuff. That's true. So, learning true. how to heal would yeah. be cool. Um, so, Sarah, what do you think your most helpful or interesting series of podcasts over the course of the year was? I would have to say the election uh, series, mostly because I felt like it was a podcast that could really help mobilize people to vote however they wanted to vote, which is the important thing is like, you didn't, you didn't do that podcast saying, all right, here is how you need to vote. It was mostly an explanation. And one thing that I learned uh, with the time of being here is most people don't take the time to know what they're voting for. Mm -hmm. They just vote based on the on the propaganda that is out there and they don't take the time to sit down and analyze what is going on. And when we went, because we went to the uh, Healing Racism series where they talked about uh, elections, it became so apparent, like mostly uh, in there, that I think that that podcast was was important because we do need more people, unfortunately, to kind of break it down mm -hmm. because it is uh, complicated. Nobody's going to sit and read that handbook that is uh, mailed to their house, even though they should. I love that Alberto was like, it's <laughs> impossible to read this handbook. And I'm like, thank you. It really is. It's hard. It's like very... And I also think that one thing that people like communities should do more is exactly what what you did in the podcast but would more people sit down talk. and talk it out yeah. to be able to come to an understanding of what's going on because if you even if you do read it let's say that you do read it because alberto says that you know like sun city people like make notes and there's like color coded and then they yeah. come and they have and they ask the tough questions yeah that's kind of what we need to do mm -hmm. uh, be because if we don't then then this process kind of falls through the cracks and we don't you know move on you so, can't like block like sorry but no, one no. one of the things was like the the income tax one mm -hmm. where they they wanted to um being able to do more income tax in the in the future mm -hmm. and people hear the word words income tax and more and are like no yeah but if you read the the what what it tried to say and mm -hmm. if you understand how government works you kind of understand that you need to pay taxes mm -hmm. <laughs> in order to have what you need yeah so the podcast audience doesn't know why you're so interested in voting these days. Oh, yes. Well, um, as of February 9th, I became a U.S. citizen and now I can finally vote. So was your first election the special election? It was, but I didn't have my... I didn't... I was not registered yet because you have to wait. So because I registered on February 9th, but I had to wait for my card to arrive. Gotcha. And it got like one day after the special election. I was like, no! Nah! That's all right. The good lady won, so yes. we think we yes. didn't need your vote for the, for the person that we were looking for. But there's Kate Gallego and Phoenix for the folks yeah. that were. There's going. two more special elections coming, so I'm yes. going to keep my eyes open for those. Yes. One in May and one in August. Uh, for me, I think the most helpful series was Generations because I am always interested in systemics and understanding how one generation basically created and made each generation be the way it was. Additionally, with the fact that things that happened to uh, to the American society and how it shaped folks. And it was interesting talking to you about some of those things mm -hmm. because you're like, well, we weren't Xers. And I'm like, well, like, right, because 
internationally, the same things didn't happen. Exactly. Right? If you look at Generation Z, uh, they're incredibly affected by 9-11, and while there is worldwide effects from 9-11, it wasn't as intense no. as what happened here. No. So understanding there are some commonalities and they can happen internationally, I think is interesting. And then also seeing how one, one generation trying to overcorrect for the things that it didn't have, making the generation the way that it is, and then they hate them when they're in the workplace, was really kind of funny to me. I actually, like, one of the things that that series uh, made me start thinking, because, you know, like, you have the traditionalists that then generated the baby boomers because of the success of World War II. But I wonder how that played out in, in Europe, for instance, where every country was destroyed and scarred for a very long time. Like, after World War II, if you look at the, the arts current, uh, plays, books, paintings, um, music, everything, everything talks about like a void, like death almost, like everybody is just broken. So I wonder how that affected the what you have as baby boomers what is the equivalent in Europe probably like the opposite like probably those were like closer to Gen X <laughs> maybe you know although I think uh, right after the war like you see the rise of the NHS in Great Britain mm -hmm. like the fact that healthcare is not considered a privilege it's a right but it took a long time it did but like the collectivist outcomes yeah. of what happened because the They're... the continent was just so decimated because you have to think like that was genocide. They had to deal with genocide mm -hmm. over there, which yeah. was complicated. Yeah. And then for Gen X, I think the the main thing that probably hit them the most is the was the the, the recession for us because mm -hmm. what the recession that started as well as millennials because they graduated yes. right after it started. Yes, oh, when it started sucked. the gen the recession that started here like impact that was one of the things that impacted me because oh, yeah. I was back home living my life <laughs> married to an American the recession hit and all of a sudden I'm in America mm -hmm. because it hit there two <laughs> years <chilies>. after. Yes. <laughs> Fucking chilies. I know. <laughs> They're not a sponsor. No. By the way. All right, so Sarah, what was your favorite philosophical topic? This one, I, I, I chose this one particular because my my mom and my brother have been here in the in during Christmas, and then my mom came back, and we've been having a lot of conversations about this. And keep in mind that you know they're from Europe, race relations over there is very different. So for me, the uh, reverse racism was was the the one that I actually had to go back and listen to to find language that could make them understand what I was trying to explain. But it really is complicated because that's when you see how culturally different things are in in what like there's so, so certain things in in America that uh, that make it hard obviously we that's it's you know a racist institution and it has been since its start but because the country is so young you can actually still like go back and it's still fresh in in a way in people's minds but if you go to to Europe the same is you can't say the same like we had so many wars so many turns of events so many things that to show exactly even though there were atrocities committed that are not that are impossible to deny you have a lot of people that will say that what ha what is happening in certain countries in africa 
are not a direct result of colonialism because they have their own problems. And it's like no matter, you can be blue in the face and be trying to explain, they will turn it around saying, oh, so are you trying to say that these uh, that these countries are victims and that they can't take for themselves? That is racist. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. And she's like, you just get mentally tired. You know what you might try doing with your family is, uh do the talking stick method of communication and slow everything down and be mm. like, here's the deal. <clears throat> we're only gonna talk when we're holding the thing. Yeah, that's true. When I give you the thing, your job is to make sure you understand what I'm saying and you have to repeat what I'm saying mm -hmm. and you have to say that you completely understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Then you gotta give it back to me and I gotta be like, yes, you <laughs> understand me. And then here, now I can hear from you. Because that idea. slowing down of that process and making it so it's not such a debate, debate frame might help. Because I think their issue, you're like, I've seen you and your family. Yes. Like, and it's always, Chaos. it's never like, it's you're never considering the other point of view in order to be like, yeah, wow, that's a good point. Like, I should try that. It's always to be like, let me tell you how that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's it's really, it's really, we have we have bad habits. But right now... In terms in Europe, uh, at least for the people that I've been talking to, it's, it's complicated because so uh, white people are not um, the problem in colonialism. Uh, it's not like thinking that white people are the the part of at least part of the source of the issues with colonized uh, places is out of the of the question. I had a, uh, a kid, 18 years old, like just lose it over Brie Larson's uh, comments of how she didn't want to hear the opinion of a 40-year-old man about a movie that was directed at biracial children. And it's just, I feel like, I feel like the, um, the understanding of racism right now is becoming very, very, very tied to the white fragility over in, in Europe. Yeah, um, and kind of to that point, I think my, the most interesting podcast was me. For me, it was, I don't think this is incredibly popular at all, but it was the rise of absolutism, mm -hmm. like that you have to be pure in your thoughts and beliefs and that you have to be, like if you're, if you're, if you're a liberal activist, then like if you had any moderate ideas that you're corrupted and you're yeah. bad and that that's horrible and you're an oppressor. And then uh, conversely, if you have conservative views, if you have a liberal view on anything, then you're terrible or the worst. Uh, and then the need to like know everything. Um, I shared, but we can't talk about it yet because I haven't got permission. Someone was asking me to like call balls and strikes of when whether something was like like fragility or racism or supremacy and I was like dude it's complicated I don't know like there's not enough information there um, to be able to be like whatever and and the right answer is probably yes to all that <laughs> really if you're gonna look at it uh, so looking at the world in a more complex and nuanced way where there's not for sure right answers or for sure wrong answers instead where we're trying to be more self-critical uh, is something that's really important because I think uh, that we, like Paul Gorski was saying that he has to go help out social justice organizations because the puritanical beliefs create infighting and attacks and then they can't get any damn work done, yeah. uh, which is a really big problem. So Sarah, what was your high moment of the year uh, come like related to podcast stuff? Um, so connecting to the Paul Gorski uh, mm -hmm. podcast, I think uh, the ability of 
creating conversations. So basically go email someone that I don't know mm-hmm. at all and be like, hey, I studied you at ASU. I think your work is amazing. Could mm-hmm. you please consider come on this obscure podcast <laughs> and be interviewed? Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, that kind of encouraged me to, to, try, um, to try and do that more again mm-hmm. as well. Because it just, it makes, I think it also helped me see that he's just a person. Mm-hmm. He's just a person like me. And mm-hmm. that all these people doing all this work are people mm-hmm. that we can relate, that we can talk, that we sit down and share some ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very important. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so for me, high moments would be that, but broadened out more. I think the relationships that we created with Native Nation, when we had Raina come on the podcast and talk, uh, when we had Dr. Puff come on, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that we've been able to find and meet all these, all of these folks doing yes. all these things uh, has been neat because some of those voices are really cool and very interesting and have uh, a lot of different things that they think about stuff. And, you know, I'm a big fan of connections, so yes. having all those connections, I think, makes a really big difference. How about your low? My low. So I think right now we are celebrating celebrating our two-year anniversary and the fact that we are kind of stagnant, that we haven't had a lot of response from the people listening to the podcast, not so many calls, so many uh, messages, and the fact that I, you know, we both have a lot going on in our in our lives, and I feel like I want to put more time into into this and try and drive out the people that would speak to us. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that we can't do, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that this is a two-person team, I think, really hurts and is hard. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's uh, a low is it's hard to find ways to get Michelle on the podcast more. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's really interesting, but she takes care of herself a little bit better than I do and doesn't push as hard as stuff. Uh, but I like having her there and um, that I can't make a bigger role for her to want to be part of things more is hard. Uh, and then like you too, like, uh, and I'll talk about this in the moving forward area more, but um, I still think the podcasts are good, Yeah. but I'm not enjoying the process very much anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, how are you feeling about things next year or moving forward? Well, I'm about to graduate, which yeah. is great. May 9th is the day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think I'm hoping that after graduation, the ability of having one job instead of four, like I have right now between school and working and internships and all of that, which is awesome and very fulfilling, but also very tiring. Mm -hmm. And having that maybe allow me to put more time into the, the podcast would be cool because I learned a lot throughout my time at ASU too, and the and the pot, the abilities of having different internships and and work with different people and connect with different people gave me a lot of ideas. I just need the time to actually implement them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me moving forward, well, I know I'm gonna finish because like we're gonna do it no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think. There's good and bad news, like some of the bad news, so you have a sense of what that is, is like some days I come in and I really hate doing this. That's 
Wow. Like, <laughs> I sit down and I record and I give it my all, but like, I'm like, that fucking sucked. This was useless. Nobody cares. Yeah. None of this matters. Um, and I just get it done. And then Michelle's like, how was it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm just empty about stuff. And so that's some of the, the downside truth of things but you know i'm a very grit and determined person so there's no way we won't make it to 2020 um because when i said i will i will yeah um on the other side of things though <clears throat> potentially like there's i feel like part of 2018-19 has been the year of like pregnant pauses where there's just like long fucking waitings till you know your certainty yeah so um some of those really panned out well Thank God, because uh, there was a lot of pain that I haven't ever shared with y'all, but I'm still looking at getting around to. But then the last thing that the a couple other things that I'm pausing on are, uh, will I have for sure my full time role at Phoenix College, and then uh, if there is that opportunity, uh, I think I like the next level or maybe something that we could try is even if it is just a form of like head with whatever in the background, most YouTube videos are not that different than that thing. Yeah. Uh, and the ability or capacity, if there's the freedom of not having to work over the summer, doing something on YouTube with this, I think might be interesting to do and see, because I think a lot of it would still be talking head stuff and having things here and then maybe um, connecting other videos or stuff that I find in the world where other people talk about things mm -hmm. and be able to source and cite that stuff because we're not making any money so that's true it that doesn't hurt that's true. Um, and then also potentially maybe taking stuff out uh, and doing things in the world so like taking out a camera going someplace doing something uh, filming some things here and there I think would be fun and interesting so that could be something that maybe happens if there's the air to do so yes next year if there is the air so, let's see. Uh, so, t Sarah, tell me about checking in on your activism. What have you been out and doing in the world to make the world a better place? Well, um, I started working with the Lutheran Services. Uh, they are uh, one of the main agencies dealing with the asylum seeker crisis. So basically right now, Every day, 200 people that are uh, legally uh, seeking asylum are dropped at bus stations in Phoenix, which comes to a total of 1,400 people a week. And they basically have to, um, so they're dropped here with an ankle monitor. One of the member, uh, family members have uh, an ankle monitor. And then they have 10 days to travel to wherever the family member that they already have here in the United States that is sponsoring them uh, to meet them and make their appointment with ICE on wherever state city they are. The issue is that they're dropped with no phone, no money, uh, they don't know how to speak the language. They came in as a caravan. We have to keep in mind that most of these asylum seekers are indigenous people who work as a collective. So they come in as a caravan. Everybody is family. Everybody is a mother, everybody is a sister, a brother. And then they cross the border into the United States and they're just separated. Merciless, merciless. It's just like they are detained and then when they are dropped, they're dropped separated and uh, they're with their family unit. But for us that makes sense because our family is our family unit. 
but for people that are collectivists and uh, that come from indigenous uh, backgrounds, that's not just their family units. So there's the rest of the people. And so they, they are completely separated. They're alone. They don't have a place to sleep. They don't have a place to eat. And they get detained between two days to two weeks in ICE facilities with no showers. So they can go up to two weeks without taking a shower. And everything that they travel with, uh, their clothes, their um, their memory mem memories, or like they're very minimalistic people. But whatever they bring is seized by ICE and never given back either. So they get out with no showers, the clothes on on their back. They're they're hungry and they have to care for their children who they travel with. So right now I'm working with the Lutheran services to help them. Um, take a handle on this crisis and, and give some form of care and love to these asylum seekers that uh, that just need a place to sleep before they can go and meet their... So right now we're looking for people that know how to speak Spanish to go help St. Vincent de Paul who is taking a lead on making the travel arrangements to a lot of these asylum seekers and you know go there, take a couple hours of your day and just help them find their family. And if you want to be a part of that, you can always get a hold of us at 860-576-9393 or at inclusiveactivismandcox.net and we'd love to see you get out there and be active in your making the world a better place too. So just email Sarah, I'll forward it along. She'll make sure that she gets you connected on how to help. Yes. So for me, uh, I've found that when you're an indigenous faculty member, you are a bit of a racial unicorn. Whoa! So, like, there's not many of you, and the fact that you have your position is really interesting. And so, people have been contacting me because I'm indigenous and I'm faculty, and there's not many people that do that in this world. Um, and the fact that I teach a discipline outside of American Indian Studies also makes me very unique and different. And so, uh, I've been called on to do a lot of different things in the indigenous community. Um, there's a math, the folks in the math department want to like have their area smudged and reset. And so we've been talking about doing cultural awareness training around that idea if we were to move in that direction. And it looks like we will, which is good. Nice. Um, I was part of the Healing Racism series where we talked about Dawnland, where we looked and analyzed how indigenous children were forced into adoption over and over and over again. Um, there's a thing called maternal patriarchy, uh, maternal racism, where you get people from different backgrounds to be raised by white people and then raised into white culture by killing them culturally that makes things happen. Those are deep <laughs> topics. Maybe I'll look into doing those. We'll see. Those are really complicated ideas to discuss. Plus, there was a cultural awareness training about indigenous people and indigenous students at Scottsdale Community College, which is interesting. And it's been nice because being that I'm this racial unicorn, I'm finding like more indigenous folks and allies that understand the complexities of my background, that I own the fact that I pass and that I own the fact that I'm mixed. But as a youngster, I was just brown and that was problematic, especially trying to perform whiteness. I got to go to the DAC Awards and see a lot of friends like Jackie and Terry and um, folks from other folks. DAC Awards is the Diversity Advisory Council Awards for the year. And so I just got to catch up with a lot of good people there. And then I'm continuing on my TEDx stuff, which is hard because 
it's going to be awesome and you can't go. Um, it's so weird putting on a very exclusive event, being a very inclusive person. And then I made a new friend, and I'm hoping having my new friend on the podcast soon. But his name's Calvin Terrell, and he did training yesterday called White on White Crime, and talked about that white privilege isn't necessarily only just a privilege, that it, there's a perilousness to it, and that your spot is always... You could get tipped off really quick. If you don't perform whiteness in the, white, in the right way, you become white trash. Um, that you don't have a sense of community, that nobody really looks out for you, that you haven't had enough resources to be by yourself um, all the time. And that sense of like scarcity and having to hold on to things and perform all this perfectly uh, really puts you in peril. So it's not really privilege, it's peril because you're over-rewarded and because you're over-rewarded, you're fragile and then life's too easy on you. And then when real true difficulty hits you, Sometimes people just commit suicide because they don't know how to deal with some of that stuff. So that's some spaces in which where I have been active. I know. Um, so Sarah, tell me about your self-care. How's that going and what's going on with that? Well, self-care, you know, it's uh, senior year and a lot to do. So um, I decided not to go overboard because I know that when I, when I put it in my head that I need to... Uh, do self-care I end up stressing myself over self-care so I've been trying to do simple things like going to bed earlier like instead of going to bed at 1 a.m. like I normally do pushing to do homework I try to go uh, a little bit earlier and organizing myself so making um, an effort to write on my planner and put things in my calendar and be uh, mindful about these things and eat because sometimes i forget to eat yeah that's important yeah uh so for me i've been able to keep up on cardio really well when i played football yesterday i wasn't completely exhausted although i was telling sarah i am sore as all get out and so if i seem grumpy or grouchy it's not because of that it's just because of literally like feeling achy pain still lifting in a good pattern and that's been really good it was nice because when I was at football someone's like you look bigger and stronger and I was like oh that's cool because you know you can't see yourself so you don't know those things um I'm not doing so good with my five seven eight four seven eight breathing mm. I need to practice that more are you doing that at all yes every time it's actually kind of funny every time you do it on the podcast I'm like as I edit I'm like yeah. And then counting, and yeah, yeah I, I, I actually like that breathing a lot. Yeah, the doctor, there's a video on the internet. Maybe we'll we'll embed the audio for this on the podcast. Yeah. And then we could let people hear what that does. But he does a seven minute, or like seven or eight minute talk about how it does so many different things if you just take those four cycles. He said, if you get up to eight cycles, and you do it in the morning and the evening, like, you're so much calmer and I am it, yeah. and it's true like I normally do it in the morning and sometimes in the afternoon in the night I forget because I'm tired but yeah. in the morning I'm like more focused happier like ready to go you need to get the family together and yes. be like let's all sit in a circle and do this and do this yes and then we'll slap high fives and do it later and then before y'all go to bed have them all do That's that. That'd be really good for yes. the little one. Yes. <laughs> the little oh, one gosh. that needs to like yes. bring it down a notch. Mila. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and then I'm taking my supplements really well, and uh, meditation could have been better last week, uh, but I'm still doing the waking up app from Sam Harris, and the 10 minutes is about perfect because I lay there and tanks between my legs on the couch. 
and we're doing the meditating there and I'm keep trying to take a picture but there's not enough light yet so as the sun gets up earlier and earlier I'll put a, a link to this on the podcast uh, the social media for the podcast so we can see and notice that stuff too but that's been really good and um, I'm still not reading at all <laughs> well I'm listening to audiobooks but I'd like to physically read because there's so many books that are not audiobooks that I really need to get to so Sarah, for the final thing before we get ready to wrap up, what is you do you have a recommendation for the rest of the folks of something they should do, get to, listen to, consider, try moving forward? Yeah. Um, well, I just um, saw a movie not long ago called the The Boy That Harnessed the Wind. It's on Netflix. And the reason why I recommend this uh, movie is because I watching that movie I realized how boxed in with our with our thinking we we are nowadays so the story is it's a real story and it's a story of um, a Malawi in one of the rural uh, uh, villages and how the hunger crisis strike and this boy who does not have conventional conventional schooling like we do decides like he grabs a book and and he learns how to create energy energy water from electricity mm-hmm. And I find it so amazing to look at that book because most of the problems that we have in our in our country or in in our little communities, whatever, we always say there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this movie shows exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of that. Uh, for me, have I mentioned Instant Family at all? No. Okay, so I'll do that one this time. Uh, Instant Family, it's uh, it's a movie. It's got Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne in it, and it talks about adoption, fostering, uh, and it's really funny because there's this line where uh, Mark Wahlberg's like, "We shouldn't call them foster kids. We should call them rescue kids, like rescue dogs. <laughs> oh like God. you know, they're rescue kids. This is my rescue kid." And people, of course, are having the same reaction <laughs> yes. Sarah did, and Michelle like laughs because she's like, "Oh, Rowdy, that's so you." And I'm like, "I don't. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great idea." <laughs> Like, having rescue kids, like, seems super dope. (laughs) And and for me, I guess I don't worry about, like, the semantics or the language of it because whatever actually got those kids homes more and if it helped reframe them, because there is a negative stigma with foster, and sometimes we do need to rename stuff, right? And the the fact that these kids are in a situation where they do need assistance, um, you know, and I don't know if they're rescue kids, but like at the same point in time, they do need somebody there in that moment, yes. right? And if you're willing to bring them into your house, it would make a huge difference for them. So understanding that uh, has been great too. And uh, but it's a really funny movie. It's a really sweet movie. I mean, you're gonna cry your eyes out too because I did that as well. Um, and it was funny because Michelle's been talking to me about fostering for a long time, and I watched that movie, and I was like. Oh, okay. We're going to actually do that then, huh? <laughs> and I know it's going to be incredibly hard and incredibly difficult and challenging because we could bring those kids in and they could have to go back to their parents at some point in time. Yes. And that would just rip the heart out of my chest. Uh, but at the same point in time, like, you know, again. You'll be there for them when they need it. Right. And if everything's okay, like, it doesn't mean that's necessarily bad. And they'll also, doesn't mean we can't have connections with them, right? If, especially if their parents are in good spaces. Um, but that was really good. And if, in case I forget it, hopefully next podcast I'll talk about it. But it's a very short Netflix series called Afterlife with Ricky Gervais in it. 
and it talks about how he doesn't really want to live after his wife passes away, and he's being really, he's like, well, I'm just going to be mean and horrible to everyone, because he's not going to lose his job uh, because of his relationship with his boss. They're related in a way. It, he, it's basically really sad and super tragic until life keeps poking him to this place that makes him wake back up to the beauty of what life is. So I'll try to talk about that in more detail next time. Cool. So with that, uh, please remember to rate and review. I think we've got a total of four sad reviews on iTunes. Um, <laughs> like, it's funny because like... Still, Help us out. Still pretty sure my mom hasn't done it. <laughs> and I know your husband hasn't done it. Nope. So uh, right now, the uh, Brady <laughs> is like, and I know that dude. Uh, and then there's one person that was just like one star. I'm not going to give you any reason why. Um, uh. But we'd love to get more of those reviews. And that stuff makes a difference. Make sure you subscribe on all those things because uh, downloads have been depressing as hell as of recent. Yeah. Maybe you all just don't like generational stuff. Maybe the old stuff was new. Maybe whatever podcast tracking things we use is just telling us the truth that no one was really listening. Um, but we need those things because, you know, it's hard to do anything for three years straight. Uh, and remember, talk to us too. So if like you're like, wow, I didn't realize you were hating sitting down with this, or wow, Sarah, I didn't understand that like you were up till like three o'clock in the morning setting this stuff up, and then what time do you usually get up on weekdays? Uh, between 5, 6, sometimes 4 a.m. too. Right, so yeah. <laughs> with a husband and two small children yes. getting up to get this stuff out. Like, you don't know the pain of stuff. You just see and appreciate that it's there. And those little things make a big difference. So uh, reach out and let us know. And as always, if you're interested in booking me or even Sarah, because I'd like to see Sarah just get her own gig. That would be, be fun. Awesome. And I'm just like rolling <laughs> shotgun. And I'm like, yeah, she's doing awesome things. Or like, you know, hire Michelle. And I just sit in the back and nod like a doting partner. That would be cool too, because uh, she'd be more than happy to do some of those things as long as it's something that matters. Uh, that would be neat as well. But with that, I think the last thing that I'd leave y'all with is... Go tell somebody you appreciate them. Yeah. Because too often we take for granted the people around us, right? Like uh, Tank was being incredibly loud and wanting to bark and stuff. Uh, but every moment I sit down with him that we get to meditate together, like it's one of those things that's going to make a difference. Because he's not going to live forever. Like in another three to four years, five to six maybe if we're lucky, like he'll pass, right? Yeah. And he's trying to remind me, Dad, I don't have that much time. Remember that, like, gratefulness is something that we both practice. Uh, we write down three things that we're grateful for whenever we get the chance to do. <laughs> and it does make you happier and it does cue you into the things that make you better. So remember to do that from the folks at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. You got anything you want to share with them as final thoughts? No, just, uh, you know, I, I would really like to continue to do this, but it also depends on you. So help mm -hmm. us out. Yep. All right. With that, thank you for listening. And we'll looking forward to talking to you in a couple weeks. Bye.